listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Scripture reading for today is Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. A woman of strength who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and tasks for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all her household are clothed in crimson. She makes herself coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the city gates, taking his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies the merchant with sashes. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her happy. Her husband, too, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a share in the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the city gates. Leader of the, leader of the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <laughs> and thank you, Carrie, for that reading. Oh, so um, before we dive into our passage, um, a little housekeeping uh, right off the top. Uh, next Sunday, we're not going to have an in-person worship service because it's Christmas Day, um, but we will be posting, if you go to the next slide, we're going to be posting a, um, a virtual Christmas reflection on YouTube, on the church YouTube page, so you'll be able to find that there, so there's something uh, next Sunday, and of course our Christmas Eve service uh, Saturday at 4 o'clock, uh, which is going to be an amazing time. Um, and then, can you turn me down a little bit because I'm getting some feedback up there. Thank you. But then the following Sunday, uh, two weeks from today, is New Year's Day, and we will be having in-person worship. Um, we are going to be having a hymn sing here at the church. Um, this has become a bit of a, uh, a tradition over the last couple of years that the Sunday after Christmas we do a hymn sing together. Um, it's this idea that you'll be able to come and folks can request any hymn they want out of the hymnal. If you know some really obscure hymns and you like to watch as people awkwardly try to sing along, this is your chance. Like, this, this is your opportunity. Um, 
But another thing that's going to be uh, special, what's that? <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. <clears throat> there, you're planning. You've got some picked out, I can tell. <clears throat> got to watch the Duns over there. That's awesome. But also, since it's New Year's Day, we're doing something a little uh, special. We are going to, uh, in addition to being a hymn sing, it's also going to be a testimony service. There's going to be space uh, in our church service two weeks from today to give a testimony to share how God has been at work in your life uh, this last year. So, like, if you hear that and it terrifies you a little bit, but maybe you're like, I, I, I might be up for something like that. There will be open space in that service, I believe, uh, where, like, if your heart is moved, you can share. But we are also looking for a few folks who are planning to share. If you know you'd like to give a testimony on New Year's Day here at the church, talk to Carrie Gant, our lay reader for today. She's sitting back there now. Um, talk to her before you leave. She's uh, organizing some of that. She'll put you on a list, and uh, we'll have some folks slated to give testimonies on New Year's Day. Does that sound like a plan? Yes, yeah, so you've all just signed up. Good. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> I'm kidding. All right. Uh, that's what's happening for the next couple weeks. Um, l- for today, though, let's finish the book of Proverbs. Um, I'm, so, so I'm curious, how many of us have actually been trying to read through this book? Like, like maybe you haven't done the whole thing, but you at least tried to read like a chapter or two here or there. A few of you. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, is anyone just like ready to be done with Proverbs? It's like, let's, let's get this over with. <laughs> I love Jan's boldness. That's fantastic. That's fair, too. You could be in both groups. Uh, Maybe because you've been reading it, you're ready to get it over with. Who knows? Um, So just to recap kind of where we've been, because today is, this is it. This is our last day on Proverbs. So to recap where we've been with the book of Proverbs, we spent the first three weeks of this series on the first nine chapters of the book, this section about Proverbs that talks about wisdom. If you want my honest opinion... Um, this is the best part of the book. The first nine chapters about wisdom, the importance of wisdom, pursuing wisdom, lady wisdom, that's, that's where the gold is at in this book, if you want my opinion. Um, those first nine chapters about wisdom. If you only read one part of this book, that's the part to read. But then for the last four weeks, we've been tackling and working our way through the rest of the book. We talked about how to read Proverbs, um, how to approach this book as a collection, as an anthology of ancient wisdom. And over the last few weeks, we teased out the three biggest, most common themes in this book, money, words, and romantic love. That's where we've been so far. Are we tracking with this, remembering some, some of those sermons? Yay. Um, we really only skimmed the surface with all this. Honestly, you could spend a whole year on this book and still only scratch the surface, But today, we're going to close out Proverbs by talking about the last chapter of the book, Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is probably one of the more famous sections of the book of Proverbs, especially in uh, church circles. And for some Christians, Proverbs 31 is notorious and not in a good way. And that is because of the Proverbs 31 woman. For those of you who've spent most of your life here at our church, or if you're like brand new to church, um, the the phrase Proverbs 31 woman might mean nothing to you. It's like I've never even heard of that. But if you've spent much time at all in more traditional, uh, theologically conservative maybe, evangelical or fundamentalist church backgrounds, then the phrase Proverbs 31 woman might send shivers down your spine. 
Most Sundays after church, um, I will go home. Uh, I watch some TV. I usually watch Saturday Night Live and meet the press. That's like my Sunday afternoon ritual. Uh, and then me and the kids FaceTime my mom. And uh, my mom watches our church services just about every week, and she was in ministry for about 20 years. So my mom will usually give me a grade on how the, the sermon went. Uh, and, then, and then she asks what I'm preaching on next week. And last Sunday, I told her that I was going to be preaching on Proverbs 31. And my mom was like, oh, <laughs> like this, this guttural kind of, oh, you know. And she's like, I, I, I can't wait to see what you do with that, Daniel. <laughs> this is a chapter of the Bible that has been used for generations, centuries really, to beat down on and shame women in the church. There have been books written about this chapter, um, conferences, podcasts, all sorts of things about the Proverbs 31 woman and how you too can live up to her standards. I think my favorite one here, uh, becoming the woman God wants me to be. No pressure, ladies, <laughs> at all with that one. Um, in many Christian circles, Proverbs 31 is treated as the model of what a good Christian woman should look like. Um, and if you don't measure up, then the message we have often given to women in the church is that there's something wrong with you. It's funny, but I can't think of an equivalent passage for men. You know, like there is, there is no Romans 8 man or like no, no example, no single character or chapter in the Bible I can think of that has been dangled over the heads of men, men in the church the way we have dangled Proverbs 31 over women. And the main character of the Bible is Jesus, right? He's, he's a dude. <laughs> like, or is he? He, he is. But, um, <laughs> but like, we don't, we don't do this to men. We don't, you would think that maybe we would hold men in the church accountable to the example of Jesus. Maybe we would say that, like, if you're not humble like Jesus, if you don't love children like Jesus did, if you don't put down the sword, if you fail to love your enemy, maybe you're not living up to biblical masculinity. But we don't do that to men in the church, only to women. Proverbs 31 is one of those chapters from the Bible that has been used and abused so much over the years, there's almost no redeeming it. A lot of people are going to be so triggered by the mere mention of this chapter and the trauma it's caused that it's almost beyond redemption. Almost. See, I'm an optimist, believe it or not. Um, I think with a couple of important shifts we just might be able to redeem the Proverbs 31 woman. In fact, um, this might be way too ambitious, uh, but I'm going to go out on a limb. I think with a few important adjustments in how we read and apply this chapter of the Bible, Proverbs 31 could be a feminist anthem. Anybody? <laughs> we'll see. Let's see how this goes. Let's, let's talk about this, and let's talk about three shifts that we need to make around Proverbs 31. The first shift is all about context. We have to realize, if we read this chapter in context, the plainly revealed word of God, right? Proverbs 31 is addressed by a mother to her son. We almost never talk about that in relation to this passage. These are the words of a mother to her son. It's right there in the first verse. 
the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. Who taught this, these words to King Lemuel? His mother, exactly. These are instructions, wisdom, an oracle from a mother to her son. See, what's happened in a lot of churches is Proverbs 31 is usually treated like instructions for women. These are, these are the steps of what women have to do. We read this chapter, and, and more often than not, that instruction is being articulated by a man, right? So we've got it kind of flipped. We've taken a passage that contains the words of a mother to her son, and we've turned it into instructions that men give to women. This is what we expect of women. This is what we want in a wife. That's wrong. That's not the context of this book. This is not instruction for women. It's instruction for men. There should be men's conferences about the Proverbs 31 woman. Are you worthy to be the husband of a Proverbs 31 woman? That would be an interesting question to approach this chapter from, especially since it's words from a mother to her son. If, if a woman like the one described in Proverbs 31 saw you, would she be interested in you? Or would she turn and walk the other way? Say, he's not worth my time. That would be a more contextually appropriate way to read this passage. Number two, the bulk of Proverbs, the first, what, 30 chapters of this book, is presented as wisdom from a father to a son. The final chapter is motherly wisdom. They saved the best for last. To unpack this chapter a little bit more and get into the details of Proverbs 31, what it's actually saying, we need to make a second shift, though, um, a realization, really. And that's that the woman described in Proverbs 31 would not fit in 1950s America. The Proverbs 31 woman would not have fit in 1950s America. Uh, there's a popular myth in our country about getting back to the good old days, reclaiming the way it used to be. For some reason, this myth is only popular among white people. Um, I, I can't imagine why. Um, but there's this idea, right, this, this ideal of like 1950s America, back when men were men and, and children respected their elders and women worked in the home, right? Like that's, that's this ideal that gets held up. But the Proverbs 31 woman would not have fit in that. June Cleaver America is not a good fit for her. Um, I found this really great meme online this week. Uh, it says the fake Proverbs 31 woman taking scripture out of context and making women feel guilty about themselves for 3,000 years. This is often what we hold up as the Proverbs 31 woman. See, the, the churches that highlight this chapter are often very selective in what parts they, they highlight, what parts they tell women they have to measure up to. They don't quote the whole thing, and that's because the ideal, this, this ideal, quote-unquote, of a 1950s housewife is not what's described in this chapter. There are some overlaps, and that's usually what you're going to hear from a lot of churches, but it's not the whole thing. So the overlaps. The Proverbs 31 woman cooks. That's in there. She sews in men's clothes. Her husband brings home the bacon, and her children never get into trouble. She runs a tight household, neat and tidy, and for that she is praised. 
That's what we often hear. That's like a quarter of the chapter. There's a lot more to it. Um, The Proverbs 31 woman is strong. She's independent. She works outside the home. The Proverbs 31 woman is busy at the market buying and selling her goods. She's a small business owner with a staff of employees. Um, Let's see, what else here? uh, She's invested in real estate, buying and selling land. She has muscular arms. Verse 17, that's what it says. (laughs) She doesn't skip arm day, I guess. The Proverbs 31 woman is not afraid of anything. She's bold. She laughs when she thinks about the future. She's a snazzy dresser. She's dignified. She seeks justice for the poor and oppressed. She's basically a living embodiment of lady wisdom. This is not someone who would have fit that 1950s stay-at-home mom sort of model. Now, even so, that's quite a list. And you might be thinking, but Dan, it's still too much. Like, it's great that she's strong and independent on top of other, other things, but no one woman, no one person could possibly measure up to all the things in this chapter. And you're right. If you read Proverbs 31, this list of attributes, and you think to yourself, that's impossible. No one person could do all this. Congratulations, you understand Proverbs 31. No one in the ancient world would have actually expected a single person to do all of this. That's not the point of the passage. Proverbs 31 is not a checklist for ancient Jewish women to make sure they're covering all their bases. In fact, if we actually look at the context of this song and how it has been used by our Jewish friends and neighbors for centuries, we are going to find our third shift, which is that in practical use, Proverbs 31 is a love song. It is a love song that husbands sing to their wives. Has anyone in here ever heard a love song? That's not enough. (laughs) Has anyone? Okay, good. More of you have heard a love song. Um, Has your spouse or partner ever read you a poem or sang you a song? I hope, I hope some of us, that connects. Um, Love songs tend to exaggerate a bit, right? They tend to build things up. Um, When Aaron and I were dating, it was actually for our first anniversary as as, a boyfriend, girlfriend, I guess. I made her an album of songs I'd written about her. Uh, A friend of mine had a recording studio, so I laid down the drum tracks, he played bass and guitar, I sang, sang, uh, (laughs) the lyrics, Um, and these were songs I wrote about, about Aaron, about how she is just the most wonderful, the most beautiful, the smartest, strongest, most intelligent woman on the planet, and how I am the luckiest man in the world for having found and fallen in love with her, and how I love her more than any man has ever loved a woman. Now that's true, right? Like, like I, I meant those words, I mean those words. Like, it's, it's true, it's true. But it's built up a little bit, right? Like, I really do think my wife is pretty awesome. I'm in love with Erin, but is she the, the smartest, most wonderful, amazing person on the planet? And do I love her more than any man has ever loved a woman? Yes. <laughs> But you get the idea, right? Love songs 
tend to exaggerate. They build a person up. Romantic poetry uses hyperbole, and that is exactly how Proverbs 31 has been used through the centuries. In traditional Jewish households, they do something called Shabbat dinner. Um, Every Friday night at sundown, which is when the Sabbath begins, um, a traditional Jewish family will gather around the dinner table for a feast, really. They have delicious food, excellent wine. Um, They share memories. They sing songs. They read passages from Scripture. And one of the traditional elements of a Shabbat dinner is when the man of the house sings Proverbs 31 to his wife. I'm not going to sing it, but I'll do spoken verse. A woman of strength, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm. All the days of her life she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and tasks for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all her household are clothed in crimson. She makes herself coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the city gates, taking his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies the merchant with sashes. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her happy. Her husband, too, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Orthodox Jewish men sing this song to their wives every week in public, which I think is kind of amazing. Like, I think if your, love so- or if your spouse sang a love song to you once a week, that would probably improve the relationship, unless they're a really bad singer, maybe. <laughs> but you get the idea. And pro tip, uh, this last line here, verse 29. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. That's a line worth memorizing. Um, Husbands, in here, really anyone with a female spouse or partner, memorize that line and say it to your wife often. She deserves it. She's more than earned it. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Our culture heaps so many unrealistic expectations among, uh, onto women. How they're supposed to look, how they're supposed to dress, how they're supposed to talk, how they're supposed to act. They're expected to still do all that June Cleaver stuff and yet also have a career. And a, it's, it's unrealistic. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Memorize that line. Say it to all the women in your life. Say it to your spouses 
your mothers, your sisters, your friends, your co-workers. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. It would be super awkward if they don't know Proverbs, but you get the idea, hopefully. A woman of strength, who can find? I want to close on this line because this is important. Um, This is the opening line of this poem, this love song. The Hebrew phrase um, for woman of strength is the phrase eshet chayel. Oh boy, I gotta make sure I say it right. (laughs) Eshet chayel. There we go. Eshet chayel. Can can everyone say? Try saying eshet chayel. God bless you. Um, (laughs) it, It literally means woman of valor, which I think sounds a lot better. A woman of valor, who can find? And you know, in recent years, um, and this is actually a a relatively new thing in the last like five or six years, there's been a movement of women who are coming out of abusive abusive religious settings. Uh, Women who have spiritual trauma in their past, who are reclaiming their identities, trying to recover from some of the stuff that uh, certain churches did to them. And they are reclaiming this phrase, Eshet Chayel, as a source of pride and tattooing it on themselves. It's pretty awesome. Of course, I'm a fan of tattoos, but... (laughs) Eshet Chayel, woman of valor. I see a lot of women of valor in this room. It's not an exaggeration to say that I'm only up here today because a number of women of valor in my life invested in me and my formation and discipleship as a human being. If you're someone who's been hurt by Proverbs 31, uh, if this text has been used to beat down on you, to shame you, to make you feel like you don't measure up, I hope this reframing brings some healing I hope that maybe this chapter of the Bible can even become a source of strength and pride for you. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Let's pray. God, thank you for all the women of valor in this room and in our lives. Women, you have anointed to support us, to provide for us, to lead us, to teach us, to reflect your love for us. God, we repent of the ways that we have shamed and marginalized women, especially in Christian settings, for the centuries of harm and heartbreak that we have inflicted. Lord, forgive us. Help us make amends. Help us set things right. Help us to do better, to honor and to elevate. Remind us to lift up and express our gratitude to every woman of valor you've brought into our lives. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, 
brockportfirstbaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.